Come on, come on. So the title for today's message is Now is the Time. Somebody say, Now is the Time. And actually, right before I came up, Pastor Bethany said to me, and can we just give it up for our team, the pastors, the, all of our volunteers, all of those who are team members, and uh, we just thank you so much for the, all of the media team, all of the children's team. I mean, we've had an amazing camp, kids camp, we got all this stuff. But Pastor Bethany said to me before she came up, she said, I'm going to be shouting you down, Pastor. I'm going to be amening you. So there's a little bit of a challenge here. Are you going to shout me down louder than Pastor Bethany, or uh, is it going to be Pastor Bethany? <laughs> And you're not going to, listen, you won't distract me. I was a children's pastor for nearly seven years. You can, and if you've been through Next Steps class, I tell people this. Like, go to the bathroom if you got to. Like, grab your coffee if you got to. Like, uh, like you can even get on the floor and, like, throw a tantrum. And I'm still going to keep preaching. Like, you're not going to distract me. <laughs> so do what you need to do and stay as much in the presence of God as you can. I'll just say it like that. Now is the time, somebody say. There we go. With a little bit of enthusiasm on the 4th of July weekend. Now is the time. <laughs> Yeah, now is the time. So I'm going to read some scriptures as you think about now is the time. Matthew chapter 4. Sorry, did I say 4? 24. Matthew 24. Keep flipping back. Matthew 24. I'm going to read from verse 5 and 14. And I think it's important that we hear these today. I'm not going to really dig into these particular scriptures, but it's going to set the foundation for what I feel God's laid on my heart. Matthew 24, verse 5. And uh, these are in red in my Bible, which means they are really, really, really important. Like somebody really important said them. His name's Jesus, right? The word of God made flesh. He said these. And, it, and he started out with this. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And you will see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All of these things are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 9. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. In verse 12. And because of lawlessness will abound. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Did you hear me? Because of lawlessness abounding, the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13, but he who endures, somebody say endures. endures. No, no, no. He who endures, somebody say endures. endures. To the end will be saved. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Amen. Amen. Kind of sounds like some days we're living in, right? Um, so where this all came about, and I was, I was wrestling for days on what God wanted me to preach, for what God wanted me to share with you. And I was asking him, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to preach? What do you want me to preach? And, and you know, I've got like, I've got kind of a list of things that I like, that I like to preach. So I'm a little bit more comfortable in preaching. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, what have I given you? And I was like, I don't know. And as, I, as he questioned me in that, as I felt that in my heart, all of a sudden I remembered my wife and I were away for our anniversary, our anniversary a few weeks ago. And we've been married now for 12 years. Come on, come on. 12 years. Hey, when you're having a good time, time flies. I love my wife. She's the most beautiful woman that is on the face of this earth, or ever has, ever will be. And we were away on our anniversary. And we got away just for a little bit because kids camp was coming. And I mean, it's like we can get like eight hours away. Let's go. 
And we're in San Diego, and uh, we were, my wife likes to go down, we like to go down there, and she likes to walk through the little farmer's market there in Little Italy. And so we get up, we get breakfast, and we're walking through the little farmer's market. And I mean, there's all, there's a lot going on. I mean, they're trying to hustle stuff. They're trying to sell you on honey and beads and dresses and, and all this stuff, organic stuff, fake stuff, all this stuff. I mean, there's a lot going on. And we're walking down this busy street. I mean, it, you're like elbow to elbow and it's like hot. And, and thankfully you got like the cool breeze blowing on you. You're like, oh, thank you, Lord. And this couple is walking like, I don't know where they were at in reference to us, but all of a sudden I hear him say, we've come to the end. And I'm like, when he said that in all of the noise, I heard it like just pierce my spirit. We've come to the end. It was like God just went boom. And I was like, Lord, hopefully it's the end of this market. <laughs> but when he said that and he was saying it to his wife, he's like, we've come to the end. And as I continue, we're walking along and I continue to think of that. I'm like, we come to the end, we come to the end. And the Holy Spirit was like, it's going to be that quick. It's going to be that quick that your life may seem normal and you may be walking in a market, you may be working somewhere, you may be in your house sitting at the table, it says in Matthew 24, but all of a sudden when the, the angel comes and blows the trumpet, it's done. We're at the end. And I was like, Lord, like in this market, God, would you pour out your spirit on these people? There's so many people that yet to know. There's so many people that are just living life. And I was like, God, your end is going to come quick. Jesus said it. He's like, I'm coming quickly. Now, our clock is like a second's quick, but obviously for God, a second's a little longer than what we think, right? He said a year is like a thousand, or a second's like a thousand years, and like his time frame is different than ours. So what I want you to hear me today, and now is the time, is I want you to kind of keep this thought in your mind is I've, we've come to the end. And Jesus was saying this, that there's going to be some signs that you're going to be able to kind of have like an idea, but nobody knows. Jesus said, not even, not even I know. The son doesn't even know the time that the father said is gonna, that's been ordained by him for the end to actually come. The angels don't even know it's going to happen. So I, there was two groups of people that God kind of really highlighted to me. There's one group that's in this place this morning that you would be saying, Pastor, I'm right there with you. Like, I've come to the end of myself. And I literally saw that there are some in this room that would say, I'm at the end of myself. I don't even know how I got in here today. I don't even know how I came across this link on wherever that here I am listening to this guy and I'm at the end of myself. Pastor Bethany, this person was talking about giving and I like, I'm at the end of myself. And I want you to know something at the end of yourself, at the place of surrender is where you find more of God. It's where you find God. And the second group of people, all of us included is that we've got to live as Jesus Christ is coming again. Come on. We are living in the end. If he said he was coming quickly, he hasn't delayed. He's coming. He's coming. And now is the time for us to live in such a way that we are ready. There's a world that's looking. There are many that are falling on the wayside. There are many that are being deceived by what seems to be like lawlessness released in our land. But I'm telling you, we are still the land where I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit. God wants to pour out his spirit on this land. And just because it's dark doesn't mean we stop shining. It's the time to shine where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Not that God would just go, I have one more time, I'm coming before you, will you fix my mess? No, grace that you don't deserve, that God would divinely influence you and allow you to reflect him. Come on. When you look up at the moon and it's a reflection of the sun, be reminded that God wants you to reflect wherever you're at of the son, Jesus Christ. Okay, we better get going. All right. We're at the end. 
So now is the time. Now is the time to live full of the Spirit of God. There's, Paul talks about it. There's carnal Christians and there's spirit-filled Christians. I want every single one of us, to, every time you wake up, to say, God, today is a day that I progress deeper in my relationship and walk with you, God. To be full of the Spirit. Being full of the Spirit. It, we say these cliche things a lot. Thankfully, I was, a, I was a children's pastor, and one of the things that I had to learn to do was, like, make it simple. And I'm that kind of person. I'm not real, I'm not real intelligent. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just a simple guy. I'm just a simple guy just willing to stay up and say, okay, God, use me. I'm going to open my mouth, and you just speak. So I need it simple. I need to know, like, what does worship actually mean? Like, what does praise actually mean? And whenever we say, well, let's live full of the Spirit, what does that actually mean? Does anybody ever wonder that? It means to live a life that's surrendered to him. It means you're not Lord of your life. Now is the time to live full of the spirit, not full of yourself, not full of this world, not full of the news titles. Those are important. These things are important. It's imp but God has got to be the most important. Living full of the spirit means you're living surrendered to him. You are living a life surrendered to him. And then the second thing that it means to live full of the spirit is that your mind, that your mind is yielded to him. Man, we live in such a day where the enemy is trying to get a hold of our minds. Oh, man, I'm just going to leave it at that. There is so much going on to distract our minds. When our minds, I, the enemy knows that this is the most brilliant thing and this is the most opportunity that God has to make an impact in your life and the lives around us is through your mind. Where are you tempted at? In your mind, right? What starts here? If you allow it, continues to manifest itself and become outward. What God wants to do is to have your mind surrendered to him. I wrote this down that 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses, I think it's 16. It says, who knows the ways of the Lord, but we have the mind of Christ. God wants you to have his mind. The spirit of God searches the heart of a man, but he wants to also have your mind. Your mind and your will, your heart and your emotions, they all speak of the place of the intellect where you make decisions. And when you are full of the spirit, you're saying, God, in that place, I want you to be Lord and I want you to reside there. What's the motives? Why am I doing what I'm doing? It, now is the time to live full of the spirit. Amen? Amen? The spirit of God pouring out in your life is not like God filling a passive container, right? You know, just like, oh, you know, here I am. God wants to pour his spirit in, meaning he wants to take possession of you. The kingdom of God suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. Can I tell you, there are times when the enemy violently comes at my mind. Where did that thought come from? I mean, I'm in the middle of worship, and all of a sudden it's like, where did that thought come from? I'm in the middle of preaching, and all of a sudden this, you can't do it. Look at them. They all think that you don't, you're not making sense. Your two sentences aren't even coming together correctly. Where does that thought come from? Is it me? No, I'm trying to think about what God wants to say to you. Is it God? No, he's thinking about how much he loves you. So where does that leave it? The enemy. <laughs> right? You're driving down the road. And that person cuts you off. And you've thought of three ways to make sure that car crashes. <laughs> While you're singing, Jesus. <laughs> Was that you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Just a little bit. Luke 24 and 49, it said that God was telling his disciples, stay in Jerusalem and tarry in there until you're endued with power from on high, until the Holy Spirit pours out. He told his disciples, 
As he's standing there resurrected, he wasn't like, grab your swords, grab your, let's charge and take it. No, he said, stay in Jerusalem, tarry there, which means wait. All of the, you know, the King James, it means wait. When you don't know what to do, tarry. No, wait. (laughs) Put it in a little bit modern day term. Wait. He told his disciples, wait. I mean, whenever they're like, let's go, Jesus, you lead the way. Like, you got scars, you got like the, the, the every, all the evidence is there. And Jesus is like, you wait in Jerusalem. You wait in Jerusalem until what? The Holy Spirit's poured out in your life and you're endued with power from on high. When you don't know what to do, you wait until the Holy Spirit, you say, God, I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my attitudes. I surrender my motives. God, I surrender my life. I don't even want to make the wrong decision because God in heaven wants to help you. He wants to be unleashed in your life. And in our place of surrender, God says, he starts to download ideas. He starts to bring a name to your mind. You shoot somebody a text message and they say, hey, I'm praying for you. And you're like, what? How did you, how did you know what I was going through? Because there's a Holy Spirit. He's bigger than you. You think the world revolves around you? No, it doesn't. God's got this. And when you say, God, I surrender, man, the help of heaven is on your behalf. Come on, somebody give God praise. Now is the time to live full of the Holy Spirit. This isn't even all my message. we got a lot to talk about. 12 minutes. John 7, verse 37 through 39 says, And in the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let anyone who hungers and let anyone who thirsts come after me, and I will what? I will give them Living water. I will give them, the Bible says that out of his hearts. Sorry, let me go back here. I'm, I'm so excited. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will burst forth these streams of living water. But this he spoke about of the spirit and to those who would believe in him. Do you know, Jesus came and he came to show us the way, the truth, and the life. He showed us the, he showed us the example. And what he would tell his disciples is he said, look, I have come and it's imperative that I return back to my father for when I do, the Holy Spirit is going to come. The promise of the father. Look, there's, you know, it was, uh, it was graduation and we had a bunch of graduates that we, we were able to honor and, and we're so excited to be able to partner with you all in your next season. And I felt like, God, what do you want me to put in this? I was writing messages for him. I was writing messages for him. And the thing that the Holy Spirit put in my heart was, of all the things you could get for graduation, because that's a big thing, right? <laughs> my aunt said to me, she's like, Nate, <laughs> if you graduate college, I'll buy you a Rolex. <laughs> Still waiting. <laughs> I'm not waiting on her. I'm, I'm just waiting for all those educational opportunities. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> and I said, I wrote in a note, more importantly than any gift that you could that you could receive physically for graduation. The Father has many gifts for you. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit and him empowering your life to accomplish his will, his purpose, and his destiny for you. Amen? And that's the same for you sitting in here today. That's the same for you no matter what age you are. We're still graduating to the next level. Nobody knew what it would take for you to get to today. Right? I tell, I tell my wife many times, when she's like, what are we going to do? I don't know, but God does. I, have, I don't know what it takes to be married for 12 years, going on 13 years. I don't know what it takes to raise a 10-year-old or an 8-year-old, but I know God does, right? And he wants to gift us with the promise of his Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He was saying, look, if you hunger and thirst, if you hunger and thirst, come to me. And I said, 
for those that would believe that I would give the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we got to live in this time full of the Holy Spirit. Now is the time to live free from indwelling sin. Did you hear me? Where we missed the mark. Where we missed the mark. There are some of us in this room that you, this may be the first time that you know that God loves you so much that he died for your sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He took the place of sinners. He took the place of my sin. He took the place of your sin. We deserved it. But God so loved you that he put himself in your place to pay the price that you and I couldn't pay. The price we owed, we couldn't afford to pay. And he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to atone you. I'm going to heal you. When we were singing, holy is the Lord. When we sing, holy is the Lord. And the Bible does say that we're to be holy as the Father is holy. And maybe you're like, well, I don't want to be like one of them stuffy Christians. <laughs> I don't want to be the uptight, stuffy Christians. Well, there's none of those in this room, so you're in the right room. <laughs> holy. I want, you, I want you to understand this. The holiness of the Lord. God is holy. That means there's nothing broken, nothing missing, and nothing incomplete about him. And we want to be like that. I can look at the list of things in my life that are broken, that are missing, that are whatever, that whatever, right? And when I say, God, I want to be holy like you're holy, I'm saying, God, I need you to be in my life complete, to be in my life nothing missing, to be in my life everything's working and functioning according to your will. Amen? It's time to get over the, the indwelling sin. If the enemy can keep us in that place, especially as men, do you know what we walk through life like? Guilt and shame, and woe is me, and I can't do it, and I've always been a failure, so I'll always be a failure. Come on. Stop missing the mark. You can't do it on your own anyways. You've been trying to do it this long. Surrender and let God, let the Holy Spirit fill your life, that that sin inside of you, God, oh, it just washes out, right? We're not a passive container like, oh, God, just you know, clean me up again today like a dirty dish. <laughs> no, take possession, <laughs> right? Take possession of this earthen vessel. He might not make you like full of the spirit and crazy like me, maybe. I'm energetic, but be you. Be, God, be all of you full of God's Holy Spirit. Now is the time to get over indwelling sin. Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Pastor Phil always says, it's guilt. It's that gift that keeps on giving. Well, God said, guess what? There's none of that for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh. Well, like Paul said, I know what I shouldn't be doing. And why do I find myself still doing that? And I know what I should be doing. And why can't I find myself doing that? Oh, wretched man, who am I? Guess what? The place of surrender. The place of the end of you is the beginning of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. It may be you today. You came in here and you say, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't even know what to do. My bank account, my this, my relationships, my this. The end of you, the surrender of you is the beginning of God. Let him fill it. Let him fill your life. Surrender your life. Surrender your mind. Surrender that thing. The enemy has fixated you with that thing. And has it ever fixed you? No. Surrender it. God knows about it anyways. He's waiting for you to release it. We were talking about release earlier in that song. He's waiting for you to surrender it so that he can come in and heal and fix. And the kindness of God, the kindness of God, the goodness of God leads to repentance. I want you to think about this. I've got a few quick minutes to hit three points. The first one is now is the time to love. Now is the time to love. You can write that one down. Now is the time to love. All non-biblical loves will equal nothing in your life. All non-biblical loves, all love that you try to find outside of a biblical worldview, outside of a relationship with God will equal what? 
Nothing. All relationships outside of God, outside of a biblical worldview, will do what? Equal nothing. nothing. That's right. You're listening. It will equal nothing. First Corinthians chapter, First Corinthians 13. We read this love chapter at a lot of weddings. You know, it's a good, it, it, if you will grasp this though. Husbands, speak this over you. I want you to, the next time you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want you to read it with three ways. Of course, the way Paul wrote it, right? The context of the Corinthian people, they were having a love problem. They were having an issue. There was a lot of sin in, this, in the town of Corneth and they were, or in the city of Corneth, and they were having an issue with this. Paul always wrote about circumstances. He would get wind of an issue and he would write a letter about it. So there was a love problem. Things weren't happening the way that they were supposed to be. So Paul writes it to that group of people. But also, I want, you to write, I want you to read it and pray it. And I want you to read it and pray it with the name of Jesus Christ in it. Jesus Christ is patient. He's kind. He's not envious. He's not boastful. He's not proud. He's not rude. He's not, he's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He doesn't delight in evil. He rejoices with truth. He bears all things. He believes all things. He loves all things. He endures all things. Amen? And the third way I want you to read it and I want you to pray it over your life is put your name in there. Put yourself in there. 1 Corinthians 13, I am patient, I am kind, I am not envious, I'm not boastful, I'm not proud. And listen, this list beats me up every time, right? In my marriage, in my kids, in my workplace, I am patient, I am kind, I'm not envious, I'm not boastful, I'm not proud, I'm not rejoicing in evil. When something bad happens to somebody, like, woohoo, finally they got it. They got what they deserved. No. Holy Spirit, I surrender that. Jesus said there's a greater love. Remember, love outside the context of God equals nothing. Greater love has no one than this in John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one this, that he would lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command, if you do whatever I've commanded you to. I no longer call you servants, right? In America, we have entrepreneurs. We have, you know, strive for the American dream. We don't want to serve anybody. Well, guess what? The only place you're going to find that is in a relationship with God. Because he says, hey, I call you friend. I call you adopted son. I call you adopted daughter. And you know what? I have a plan for you. Amen? And you can finally get to the place where, like Paul said, I am content in all things. Either with much or with little, I am content knowing that I'm doing it unto God. Amen? Because he gives you visions and dreams and the definition of love. What is, what is love? What it defines God. First John says that, this amazing book, the key word in this book, 1 John, is love. In chapter 4, it says that God is love, and those that love God are of God. If you want to know what love is, it's not that handsome guy. Sorry, ladies. It's not that beautiful woman. It's not that dream job. It's not those things that are in this natural world. It is God. God is love. God is love. Somebody say that with me today. God is love. And let check this out. If God is love, that means that God eternally gives of himself to others. That's God's role. Did that, when I read that, I was like, for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't give prejudicely, with stipulations, with ill motives. He gave recklessly and with no, with nothing, no expectation of anything in return. God gave, expecting nothing in return. So God eternally gives of himself. Romans 5 and 8, write this one down. God demonstrated his own love toward who? Us. God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for me. Come on, somebody say, Christ died for me while I was yet a sinner. Christ died for you while you were missing the mark, while you didn't even have a clue. God said, I have paid a price for you to know me. His will is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Does that, does that mean everybody's just a part of the big family of God? No. He's given us a free will. And those that surrender, those that receive what God has done for them, are those that are called according to him. Amen? Come on, give God some glory. Number two, now is the time to live in faith. Now is the time to have faith. Somebody say, now is the time to have faith. This has to do with how we see our situations, how we perceive things. Faith, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance. Actually, your faith, the way you perceive a situation, and as you see it, the way that God sees it, it starts to produce substance. Did you hear me today? And if you're like, God, I don't, I don't see anything. Guess what? Keep looking. Keep waiting. Keep tarrying. There you are again, Terry. I'll be right here. Come on, wait until God fills you with the Holy Spirit that you can see the situation the way that he does. And when you see it that way, the way that you perceive it, because guess what? If God says, hey, Nate, how do you see this situation? Well, it's bad, God. It's real bad. Like the bank account's this, and, you know, that's that, and this way, this, God is real bad. You know, Gehazi came to Elijah one day, and the, the enemies of Israel had surrounded them. And he said, Elijah, we're done. We're dead. We're done. Like, they're going to get us. And Elijah said, no, no, go look, at, go look again. And as Gehazi, his servant, went and looked again, Elijah prayed and he said, Lord, would you open his eyes to see the help of heaven on our behalf? And when Gehazi went again, you may need to give God some glory in that. If you need to just clap, clap, clap till you see something that God sees, then you do it. But as he went and he looked again, he came back and he said, the angels of the living God are on the hills. They have the advantage. They're on the high ground. God has your high ground and your advantage in mind. Come on. We need to walk with each other. This is why this is so important. We need to walk with each other because your story of what God's doing in your life will encourage me to say, wait, God, you could do that in them. God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, you love without contingencies. Now listen, God blesses and God has favor because of our obedience, but his love is unconditional toward all humanity. And whenever you're around me and your story of faith, it starts to increase something in my life. I got to walk with a person this week and we were walking through uh, a miracle. I'm just going to say it that way. We were walking through a miracle. And I had been with him two years ago. And we had walked through his facility. And he could barely turn his equipment around. I mean, he's like, mm, 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 mm. And he's like, we need more space. We need more space. And I was like, let's pray right now. Can I tell you? Don't delay. If there's anything that got this old preacher that, this old preacher that mentored me, the thing that stuck, stuck out about him in my life was that no matter what you were going through or whoever it was, you could be riding in the car with him. All of a sudden, he could get a phone call. He's like, let's pray. You'd be like, hey, this is it. Let's pray. Let's pray without delay. Don't try to figure out the words to say. Just say, hey, God, we need you. Come into this situation and ask him. And so we were there. We're walking. And I mean, we can barely even get through. There's equipment. Beep, 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 beep. Lift, 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 lift. And I'm like, let's pray. Let's pray. We walked through it two years later this week. The guy's got multiple buildings. 
The guy's leasing space to other people so in case he grows, he can say, Poof, I need that space. That's my space. We're walking through his miracle. And I'm, I'm the guy that was like, the, yes, God, I'll pray with him. And I'm like, my faith is getting stirred. I'm like, God, like I repent. I've had like a narrow little mindset lately, right? I need your story. You need each other's stories of faith and what God's doing in your life. And when you're at that place of waiting on God, text somebody. Will you pray with me? Call somebody and say, hey, I just need you to pray with me because where two or three are gathered together in Jesus' name, he's there in the midst of them. Come on. And if you're like, well, I don't have anybody to pray with me right now. My phone died. I'm in my car all by myself. I don't even know where I'm going. Guess what? When you say, God, be in this place with me, and you ask, and you seek, and you knock, you're there with the Father, with the Son, the Holy Spirit, and you make four, and guess what? Jesus is already there with you. Then text somebody and be like, y'all too late. (laughs) Jesus already showed up. We had church right here on 405. (laughs) Your public victories will come only after many private... What did I say? Your public victories will come after many private battles are won. That's faith. Pastor Phil says righteousness is making consistent, constant decisions that are in favor of God. That's righteousness. When you, find, when you keep, and you're like, well, Pastor Nate, I can't even go one day without sinning. Guess what? Did you, did you sin while you were talking to me? No. Well, we've been talking for maybe five seconds. So guess what? Give another five seconds and say, God, help me in this five seconds. And God, help me in this five seconds. God, help me in this five seconds. You're... Public battles, your public victories will come when you've consistently won the place of private, when you've won the private battles. Look at David. David didn't come on the battlefield fighting Goliath trying to figure out how to throw the stone in the sling. <laughs> right? He had first worshiped God. And the Bible said that God picked David because he had a heart that was for him. And David's out in the battle, or he's out in the field watching his sheep, and all of a sudden the lion comes. And he's like, okay, this, this, these, this lion's not going to get my father's sheep. Dead lion. The bear comes. All right, this, this bear's not getting my father's sheep. Dead bear. Now all of a sudden, you've got a, a giant that's defying the people of God, and he's like, well, God's been no different. Why are y'all hiding in your tents? What are you afraid of? This guy's blaspheming God. Forget about us. Like, he's blaspheming God, and we're God's people. And you're not going to do something? Well, I've seen God kill the lion, and I've seen God kill the bear, and I know he's going to do the same thing to this giant. When you're in that place all by yourself, and you say no to that website, or you say no to that text message, you say no to that thing, that's when you're going to win the public battle. Come on. You're saying, well, God's not working in my business. Well, start letting him work in your private life. Come on. This stuff works. He wouldn't look at you and say, I see you as an overcomer. If the only thing you could overcome was the public battle. He wants you to walk in a place of overcoming in the private place so that when you're in public, it makes no difference. It makes no difference. You're the same earthen vessel with an opportunity for the Holy Spirit of God to fill you when you're in your place by yourself in the place of being tempted and you're saying, no, I choose you, God. And then when you're put in the public scene and there's a lot of pressure on it and you've got a lot of decisions to make and you say, God, I choose you. And things start working supernaturally in your life because God is faithful to those who are faithful. The last point. It's time for hope. Somebody say hope. Hope. It's time for hope. Romans chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not as though they are, who contrary to hope, 
believed in hope so that he could become the father of many nations. This is Abraham. Abraham received the promise from God that he would be the father of many nations. He gets to 100 years old, and guess what he has? No, son. Pretty embarrassing, right? <laughs> Talk about having to overcome the place of the private battles. I mean, this guy probably had people saying, well, here you are. Well, father, where's all your kids at? You got nobody. You're telling me you're the father of many nations and you got no one. A hundred years old. And the Bible says that he didn't stagger at unbelief. He didn't stagger at what everybody else was saying. He didn't even stagger at his own thoughts, but he knew that God who had promised was able to fulfill. Did you hear me today? Contrary to hope. We just read that. It means that contrary to ordinary human thinking and expectations. Did you hear me? Contrary to hope. The thing that fights against hope in your life is your ordinary human thinking, dumb thinking. You can't do it. You're always going to be this way. You're always going to be in this rut. You might, it's a grave. No, it's a valley, Jesus said. And I walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death because you will fear no evil. There is perfect love. There is perfect love that casts out fear. Hope. That's that contrary, contrary to hope that is the human thinking. In hope means that your expectation is in that God and that he can fulfill. Our hope is not wishful thinking. We don't hope in dream catchers and, you know, that no black cats walk across your path or no mirrors are broken. We don't hope in those things. Superstition, all that crazy stuff. No. What is that stuff? The, the, the little star thing and they say, oh, are you a, a cancer? Or, none of that. That doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't ordain my steps. God chose me and ordained me. God chose you and ordained you. It means he picked you and he's got a plan for your life. It hasn't caught him off guard. It hasn't even caught him off guard where you're at today. He said, I still love you. I still love you. Our hope is in knowing that God's word, what he said it will do, it will do. Somebody said it earlier that God's word is forever settled in heaven. God's word has been declared in heaven. And when you align yourself with that, nothing, nothing can come against what God wants to do in your life. No weapon. Paul said that there's no, neither height, nor depth, nor principality, nor power, nor ruler, nor dominion, nor anything can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Did you hear me? Nothing. Not debt, not relationship, nothing, nothing. I was thinking when we were worshiping about this LED screen. It's got, it's got a ton of little tiny lights in it. And if your life was represented as one of those tiny little, tiny little dots in that screen, it seems pretty insignificant in the massive span of it, right? But what we do as humans is we sell out for that tiny little space that God, I'm gonna be in control of my life and I'm gonna make my decisions and what does that equal and leave me with nothing, right? Those of us who are in Christ Jesus and have been born again, we know that that equals nothing in our life. But when you realize that God is the God that spans the universes and he sees the beginning from the end and he said, I love you enough I'll bankrupt heaven on behalf of that tiny little LED speck on that screen. It's you. He said, I'll put it all on the line because I love you that much. And if we'll be in that place where we'll surrender and we'll in this time, we may be in the end days. I believe that we are. 
We're closer than what we were yesterday, so hallelujah, we got that going for us. God, if you'll live in that place of surrender, hold on to him. At the end of Corinthians, it says, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I want you to listen to this. Faith, hope, and love are needed in this age, but in the age to come, faith will give way to sight. Hope will turn into experience and love alone is eternal. Love is the only thing right now. Love is the only thing. When we look at it in a godly perspective, love is the only thing that we will experience here. We will live full of here and we will carry that in and through eternity as we live in God's presence and we get to experience his love. Love is the only thing that transcends. Amen. It conquers all things. Let God's love fill you. Let's all stand to our feet. I would say to you today, hold on. God is love. He hasn't given up on you. And as we're in this place of standing, maybe today, as you've been challenged, as, as even myself, maybe you would want to say, Pastor Nate, I, I never have heard that God loved me. I never knew that God loved me and that God gave his only son for me, that he loved me so much that he would put it all on the line for my life. And today in this place, I don't want to move. I don't want to leave this place without knowing that my life is secure in Christ Jesus. If that was the first time you ever heard that God so loved you that he gave himself for you. And the Bible says in Romans that if we confess with our mouth because we believe in our heart, it's at that moment we're saved. Saved from what? Saved from the destruction that you deserved as a sinner. We were all born into sin. What we talked about earlier, yet while we were all sinners, Christ died for us. And so in this place today, God is in this room. He's in this room to come in and fill this room right here, to fill your heart, to fill my heart. And maybe you've never invited him. He's a gentleman. He doesn't come to where he's not invited. He comes where there's invitation. He so loved you enough that you, you could say right now in this place today, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent. I turn from going in the wrong direction, away from you, of being prideful, of being hard-hearted, of being stuck in my own head, and I repent, and I turn to you, God, and I say, would you fill me? Would you come live in my heart? Would you make your home in me? The Holy Spirit, yes, he's in this room today, but he hasn't wanted to live in temples and hasn't wanted to live in churches and hasn't wanted to live in golden boxes. He's wanted to live in the hearts of men and women. And if that's you today where you would say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to give you that opportunity. I'm not the one that saves you. Jesus Christ saved you at the cross. He paid for it over 2,000 years ago so that you today, so that you today could have, your heart could be believing, your heart could be saying, God, I need you in my life. I want to experience your love. And if that's you today, I want to give you the opportunity to just wave your hand. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray with you. All of those who believe in this room, we're going to be praying with you. If there's one in this room this morning, you would say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I don't know if my life is in Christ Jesus. If there's one of you in this room, you may be like, I'm at the end of my rope. I ain't got nothing. Well, today's your opportunity to surrender. Surrender to him. And let your life be in Christ Jesus. And if there's a second group of people that I want to challenge today, if you need to surrender, maybe you're in this room and you've been a Christian for 20 years, for 10 years, for two days, but you would say, God, I've never fully surrendered my mind to you. I've never surrendered my life to you. God, there's indwelling sin in my life that I need, I need out of my life. But the place of surrender of you is the opportunity for more of God. 
If that's you in this room today, I want you to lift your hand up. We're gonna pray right now. We're gonna just ask God to come and fill you with his Holy Spirit right where you are, right where you are, right in the place where you are, that the Holy Spirit, you would be a life that would be full of your spirit. Now is the time to be full of the Holy Spirit, not full of self, not full of worry, not full of doubt, not full of fear, full of God. And when that thing tries to creep back in, you say, God, this vessel is an earthen vessel for God's glory, that God would be made known in the world around me, and I am full of his spirit. And you, like Pastor Phil says, why do we need to continue to get filled with the Spirit? Because we leak. We need more of God's presence tomorrow than what we had today. And God, let's lift our hands and pray. God, those today that right now in this room are saying, God, I want more of your Holy Spirit. I want to be full of your Spirit. God, I surrender myself right now. My mind, my will, and my emotions. God, I yield to you right now as I lift my hands. I'm saying they're yours, God. I'm saying they're yours, Father. And Lord, you said in Luke 11:13 13, that if anybody would ask the Father, that you would give of your Spirit. That as we as earthly fathers knew how to take care of our sons, that we wouldn't deceive them, harm them, or destroy them. God, you wouldn't do that to us. And so right now with our arms lifted, we say, Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, fill our minds. Holy Spirit, would you fill us with your love? God, would we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit right in this room today, July 2nd, 2023. God, it's a mark on our calendars. We're not the same anymore. God, we're full of you, Lord. God, our mind, our will, our emotions, we need you, God. And when the things of this world or when the voices in our head that don't align with your word, God, that you would, you would quench, that you would put those things out, the fire of God would fall right now and burn away. Whatever doesn't look like you, sin and those things in our lives, get them out, God, that we can lift you up and be exalted, oh Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you. 